Welcome to the Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. And it's our special holiday edition of the Advertising Show. Merry Christmas. And it's uh, the Advertising Show being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show, a big radio midgets production. A whole bunch of great stuff. We've got uh, a gentleman uh, by the name of Alan Deutschman live from San Francisco here this weekend. Alan uh, is the senior writer for Fast Company magazine. And we'll have him for both hours, hour number one and two. And a lot of other great stuff, too. Uh, Patrick Meyer... A brand new feature called Momentum Up or Down. It's, of course, the Marketing Insider. That's this hour. Next hour, and uh, it's video on demand with Joe Jaffe, a different perspective. Jeffrey Gittimer is going to be talking about testimonials in advertising, and that's this hour. Uh, Andy Borowitz, uh, the wacky world of marketing, and uh, the not-so-good side of advertising, which we finally call... Bad advertising. Advertising, yes. So uh, that's all coming your way uh, today on the Advertising Show as we spend this Christmas Day with you. It's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. So how's your week been so far? Well, pass me the Alka-Seltzer and I'll tell you. <laughs> I could never drink Alka-Seltzer. No, me I'd neither. rather feel bad. Thank you. Yeah. Well, beer works pretty similar in a similar way. And it's it tastes bu- better. It's got bubbles in it, right? Well, that's true. Uh, no, I've had a good week. I hope you have, too. You got all your Christmas shopping in, and you made everybody happy and, uh, and put another one in the... Uh Another one in the bank for for oh five. No, I, I had guess. to take a few out of the bank actually. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. But uh, no, it's always a good good time, good time of year, and uh, consumerism continues to uh, peak during this period of time. And uh, I have mixed mixed feelings about that. Of course, you and I are just old enough to remember when it was not quite as uh, frantic and as consumer oriented as it is today, Christmas sure, and holidays and yeah. so forth. But, uh, so you know, Ray, I, that. yeah, well, yeah, and uh, you, you kind of have to, you want to get away from that, I guess you got to go somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> don't know where. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I clipped this from a, news, uh, a newspaper. Uh, I still use those from time to time. Really? Uh, not, Can I have that many. when you're done? I got to change be, the birdcage. <laughs> well, Thanks. you know, uh, the, it, we all have we've said for a long time that uh, newspaper is uh, the, the newspapers are trying to figure their world out. And uh, meanwhile, I just want to give it a positive spin and say, hey, I picked one up the other day and I actually clipped something out for the show, and it has to do with uh, the uh, football college uh, bowl schedule. Real quickly, uh, we we just had this past week. Uh, various uh, bowl games, such as the New Orleans Bowl, the GMAC Bowl, mm-hmm. the Las Vegas Bowl, right. the Poinsettia, or Poinsettia, depending on how you pronounce that. I, I like go with Poinsettia. Version, yeah. yeah, Poinsettia Bowl. We have the Texas Bowl. And then coming up this next week, well, <laughs> not yeah. to be uh, not to be outdone, Detroit, well, what would they have? The Motor City Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Champ Sports Bowl out of Orlando. We have the Insight Bowl out of Phoenix. MPC Computer Bowl. Yeah, right. And so on. What's going the, on here? Well, the one, the funny one is the uh, in San Antonio they have the Alamo Bowl, and I don't know why Alamo Car Rental hadn't been 
saying that they want to sponsor that thing. <laughs> Why would they sponsor? They're already getting a plug without even paying for it with yeah, the Alamo Bowl. Right, yeah. But uh, thank God that we still have the Sun Bowl, the the Cotton Bowl, Super Bowl, the well, the, staying with college, the, the Sugar Bowl, Rose Bowl, and the Rose Bowl and the Orange right. Bowl. Those they they haven't gotten a hold of those, although there were some sponsors <laughs> a while back that tried to tag along on some of those. But I'm glad they've just kept it, just you know, the traditional name. Now that we've covered all the bowls, let's uh, talk about. Uh, I want to talk about the uh, the Rose Bowl here in just a minute. Let's uh, let's first check in with uh, Patrick Meyer on the advertising show. Welcome to Understanding the Future Now. It's the Marketing Insider featuring Patrick Meyer. I'm going to talk to you today about brand mo. Brand momentum when it's up and when it's down. You may know that we have a survey at now that's called the Now and Not Now Survey, where we assess brands that are now that consumers love, would recommend, and find relevant to their lifestyle. There are also brands that are completely not now, that are irrelevant, that are lost, that in some cases even hopeless. But an interesting part to this survey is the brand momentum score. Brands that are skewing up, trending up with energy and vitality, and those that are trending down. Let me give you two examples. Both more high-tech brands valued on Wall Street a tremendous amount of money, high flyers at different points. One is AOL and one is Yahoo. But let me show you the fundamental difference between the two. AOL, in our Now, Not Now survey, 40% felt that the brand was not now, totally not now, or hopelessly not now. In contrast, Yahoo had 76% of people saying that it was now, totally now, now, somewhat now. 32% of people said that Yahoo had upswing in momentum, and AOL had zero momentum, actually negative momentum going the other way. My message to you is simple. You need to create vitality in your brand, energy that consumers can feel. The way you do that, first, look in the mirror with young people, progressive people, and say, what's working or not working for us, and what do they want? Talk to your core consumer, your heavy consumer, even your competitive consumer. Understand what they want. Second, focus on driving that proposition, news value, innovation in a whole new way. So they feel the momentum and they see tangible benefits and beacons of that momentum. Third, bringing creative energy and media energy and retail energy to your brand. Find your way to a whole new dynamic energy or momentum. You've been listening to The Marketing Insider, heard every week here on The Advertising Show. Join us next week for more insight into the future of marketing. I'm Patrick Meyer, and remember, the marketing revolution is now. That's the advertising show. Ray Schillens, Brad Forsyth, and we're just about to uh, join a conversation here with uh, Alan Deutschman out of... uh, uh, San Francisco, a senior writer for Fast Company magazine, also an author. Uh, one of the books is called The Second Coming of Steve Jobs, a Business Week and Wall Street Journal bestseller. So it'll be fun to get uh, Alan on the show for not only uh, this hour, uh, but also for next hour. Interesting uh, concept that we're hearing, Brad, isn't it, from uh, from Patrick Meyer on that? Mm-hmm. It's Very got, interesting. Uh, yeah, it's got a lot of good stuff. I, I love this, the survey concept, and I love the fact that he challenges companies to look at uh, what's cooking there. Oh, we're going to talk about the Bulls here. It says, yep. uh, with everything coming up, roses for ABC, two undefeated teams battling for the uncontested national championship, uh, a tough ticket for advertisers, and with all but 10% of ad inventory sold uh, for the January 4th primetime broadcast on L.A. So that'll be interesting to watch to see how that kind of plays out in preparation for the game. Yeah. We've got, uh, let's see, uh, Alan coming up here in just a minute, and a whole bunch of more too you know you've had too much turkey today or whatever stick around just sit and listen and it'll be fine okay just don't fall asleep that'll be bad back in just a minute
You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. You love it's the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. As promised, back with our special guest today, Alan Deutschman out of San Francisco. A uh, 15-year career as a writer, uh, has been contributing editor at Vanity Fair, GQ. I uh, wonder if he got clothes there, too. New York Magazine and the Silicon Valley correspondent for Fortune. Currently a senior writer for Fast Company. It's a great magazine covering business and technology sectors. And on this Christmas Day, we are so happy to have uh, Alan uh, on, on the line. Alan, uh, first of all, happy holidays to you, and uh, thanks for being a part of the advertising show. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, and uh, Alan, we've got a lot of uh, great things to jump into. You're a, a wonderful writer. You cover a lot of hot topics that we talk about a lot here on the advertising show. Let's jump into uh, your most recent article for Fast Company entitled Remaking Hollywood. I guess uh, uh, for our listeners that aren't familiar with that article, why don't you hit some of the high points, uh, in particular, I guess, uh, uh, how the, uh, the the movie industry is falling into the uh, hands of the consumer, I guess, yeah? That's right, and it's really the last of the forms of entertainment that is finally joining the Internet web era. You know, we've had text and graphics and music have all been revolutionized, and video entertainment is finally meeting the Internet. And, you know, if, uh, if as you mentioned in your article, I guess if movies uh, traditionally lose money in their theatrical runs these days, uh, I'm curious, uh, relative to advertising budgets for movies, has this had a uh, an impact on the actual production budget uh, in an effort to get audiences interested in seeing what movies, uh, movie studios are releasing? I mean, with the, uh, uh, it seems that nowadays the big production with the, uh, uh, you know, a lot of money behind it uh, is not as popular as it once was. Well, it's interesting. The um, the movie business has weird economics. The whole cinematic release of a movie is basically loses money, and it's essentially advertising for the things that make money, which is mainly the DVD and then uh, being broadcast on uh, on pay cable. Uh, and sort of the other things later down the road, you know, but it all depends on getting a lot of people out to the cinemas that first weekend, which involves spending an enormous amount of money advertising and promoting movies, usually even more than the very high figure that's spent to make the movies, to get those, you know, bodies into the box office to make the uh, perception that a film's a hit, so then you can profit from it. Uh, months later when people go to Walmart and buy the DVD. So it's, it's a very, very convoluted, bad system the way it's, it's been working in recent years. Well, I've, been, I've been reading a lot about how uh, DVD sales have helped boost uh, the, the video market, yet uh, you would think that DVD sales would hurt theatrical runs of movies. Uh, is it a chicken and egg question here? What, what's going on with that? Um, well, I mean, it's really hard to get warm bodies in the cinemas now. I mean, the more that people have learned to buy DVDs, uh, as people are getting home theaters and better setups for watching movies at home, the, you know, the DVDs uh, are really where it's at. And so who actually goes out to, uh, to see movies in the theaters? You know, you have you know, teenagers who want somewhere to make out. You have young you know, couples or people dating who need to go somewhere on a date. Uh, you know, but but more and more, you have to. The, the studios have to spend an enormous amount of money trying to generate interest and enthusiasm to get people to come out to the theaters, and they they have to make movies into these 
these big events. Well, you know, the reality is you can't have another big event every weekend. It's just not special anymore. Um, so, uh, you know, it's it's been it's been a very hard uh, hard reality uh, since you know people really do want to wait for the DVDs, and even more than that, they they don't want to wait. They want to download uh, a movie over the internet and have a digital copy at home that they can watch whenever they want to watch it. Hmm. Yeah, and uh, you know, twenty five percent of the advertising show's audience uh, originates outside of uh, North America. So I'm curious: uh, d- does the uh, drop in consumer uh, interest in movies at theatrical runs, anyway, uh, here in the U.S. does that reflect the s- similar uh, consumer uh, activity of what's what you see in Europe today? Do you know? Well, I mean, I think in America and in Europe, I mean, everywhere the the mass market. And, you know, you don't have to tell people in the marketing field this. The mass market's been disappearing. And Hollywood's always worked on being a mass market product that will appeal to the least common denominator of the, of the most people. And that's not the way the world is today. And the world is becoming you know, much more heterogeneous and uh, diverse and into subcultures. And yet Hollywood has to get very large numbers of people to come out to see a movie. And so they have to kind of play to... To uh, you know, to that kind of mass audience, and uh, you know, whereas all the other media are becoming much more, you know, targeted and specific in, in who they're they're addressing, uh, so it's a big problem for Hollywood, and it's it's why, um, you know, more and more people are losing interest in an industry that can only makes movies for you know for teenage boys. Mm-hmm. So if uh, if consumers aren't going to movies as often as they once were, and, and uh, we understand that DVD sales are down a bit, where, where is the entertainment dollar going today? Well, people are spending more and more of their media time on the internet, and uh, the advertising dollars uh, haven't you know followed as much. But you know, people are spending fifteen twenty percent of their media consumption time on the internet, which still gets only a small single-digit share of the advertising dollars, uh, you know. And uh, digital entertainment uh, has become huge. Video games for teenagers. Uh, I mean, that's you know, video game sales are bigger than than movie box office sales. Uh, we spend a tremendous amount of time uh, on the internet, which is a different form uh, of media, um, you know. Or media consumption is is fragmented by by DVD and home video, by uh, all these other electronic gadgets that we have. Um, so, you know, back in, in the 1940s, people went to the movies because that's all there was. I mean, now consumers have more entertainment and media choices than they've ever had, and it's more fragmented. You know, it'll be interesting. It is an interesting time we live in right now for both uh, the uh, media as well as the marketing industries, and uh, I guess it'll all shake out going forward here in the next uh, five to ten years. Uh, Real quickly, we saw this summer uh, examples of a new advertising technology called hotspotting where the ads were actually embedded hyperlinks and and pop-up windows in the frames of movie trailers. Uh, What what can you tell us about this new hotspotting idea, Alan? Well, you know, advertisers are sort of trying to grapple with with these new media and figure out how you know how to make it work. And it's still in a very kind of early experimental uh, experimental stage. I mean, we basically know you know what doesn't work, um, which is most of the things that we've we've done for the past fifty years. Um, and you know, the question is 
question, how are you going to make it work um, in movies downloaded on the internet or uh, TV shows that people watch on their iPod? Um, or um, so, but you know, I mean, there is a lot of experimentation going on now, and it's going to take some time to see to see what works and to uh, um, and to adapt it. And it's, but it's, it's exciting because yeah, it's at Alan, the very we're gonna, beginning of this new medium. Let me go to, We're going to take a break here in just a moment here on the advertising show with uh, Jeffrey Gittimer. It's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, and we'll be back with more uh, on the advertising show. Stay with us. Quick Takes on Sales and Customer Relations with Jeffrey Gittimer, nationally syndicated columnist in the network of city business journals and other great publications worldwide. If you're offended by common sense commentary, don't you dare listen. Now, here's Jeffrey. You ever hear a typical ad, we do this, we're the best, we, 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 we? You ever see one of them we, we ads? Well, who do you think is better at selling your product? You or your customer's testimonial. Let me give you a clue. Not even close. Your customer can outsell you 100 to 1. And even though you intuitively know this, you still think you have to sell and educate your prospective customer. Nothing could be more powerful than the words of one customer who loves you telling another customer thinking about doing business with you to do it. Are you going to believe your next-door neighbor that just bought a car like the one you want or the car sales guy? Neighbor, of course. Same with you and same with your business, baby. Testimonials are the only proof you've got. My testimonial mantra for years has been, when you say it about yourself, it's bragging. When somebody else says it about you, it's proof. Knowing this, you would think every sales organization, every ad, and every salesperson would use testimonials as the backbone of their sales message, and you would be thinking wrong. The single most perplexing aspect of selling and advertising I have ever seen. Quick takes on sales and customer relations from The Advertising Show, the only radio show in America featuring Jeffrey Gittimer as a regular weekly guest. To learn more about his books, tapes, CDs, and speaking engagements, log on to Gittimer.com, G-I-T-O-M-E-R.com. And tune in next week when we'll hear Jeffrey say, This is Jeffrey Gittimer, reminding you that if no one responds to your ad, it may be because your ad sucks. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. And I'm proud. I used to be alone in a crowd. But now you look around these days. It's the advertising show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. And do I have a doctor? No, I've got a diet seven up. I I got some in the fridge though. Brad, would you like another? Well, actually, uh, my uh, my beverage is just fine, thanks. Is it really? Water. Yeah. Nodled. Just the nog, no egg. Neat. Yeah. We have uh, our special guest out of San Francisco this holiday weekend, and his name is Alan Deutschman, uh, senior writer for Fast Company Magazine. Alan, welcome back to the show. It's great to be here. Yeah, and we were talking, uh, you mentioned a little bit about uh, uh, digital distribution and iPods and so forth. What, what, the latest with uh, Apple iPod, now including video capability, uh, you know, trans- are we close to transmitting uh, video files to consumers over digital broadband nowadays, do you think? Well, I mean, um, 
millions and millions of consumers are doing it today. They're just doing it illegally, right? Um, <laughs> by you know pirating it from uh, from uh, from sites, uh, just as as they had with digital music. Um, and uh, the interesting thing is, it seems like Hollywood is learning from the experience of the music business. They've realized that uh, you know people want their entertainment digital over the internet. Now they don't want to have to wait for it weeks or months, and that if you don't give it to them, uh, they're just going to take it anyway. So you might as well sort of give it to them uh, over the internet in the beginning and make it easy and affordable for them to get it. And this way you can profit too. That's really the lesson Hollywood is learning from uh, from Apple and the iPod and, and iTunes. Yeah, and the uh, the peer-to-peer network such as uh, the BitTorrent and eDonkey is two uh, uh, email or two uh, uh, sites for uh, distribution. I guess would be examples of what you're talking about. Um, do, do you really think the movie studios, Alan, are, are ready to uh, and willing to embrace the inevitability of internet distribution? Well, I think if if you listen to Bob Iger at uh, uh, Disney and what he's said to Wall Street community, if if you look at, at Rupert Murdoch, I think that these men. They understand where the future is going, and you know today you have the movie comes out in the cinema, and then there are all these these windows of time before it gets into different media. You have to wait until it gets onto DVD, until it gets onto cable, um, and you know, and, and that's a problem because you know consumers don't want to wait; they want to have it digitally uh, on whatever devices. Uh, whether it's their home theater or their laptop or their handheld video player, they want it today. Um, and Hollywood sees that, but there are limits to how fast they can move because they have long-term contracts with all these different players, locking them into these uh, these windows of time that each new player gets before they have to hand on the rights to someone else. So, uh, you know, HBO has it in its contract, or even the airlines have into their contract that they get you know, movies at a certain time before someone else gets it. Um, and so the Hollywood moguls, they want to embrace the Internet. They, they grasp it. They don't want to follow the bad lesson of the, mu- of the music business, but they're also limited with what they can do immediately because they're, they're locked into all these long-term deals that have structured the business so far. Well, you mentioned the music industry, and certainly they've uh, obviously come around, and the iPod was... Uh uh, a big uh, player in in, in uh, the movie uh, music industry making that transition. What what uh, what do you think it will take for the movie industry to to make a, an easy transition? As uh, I won't say it was easy, but I guess we'll make a similar transition as the music industry has. Well, I think you know the music business had Steve Jobs and Apple to to come up with uh, with iTunes and the iPod. I think the leaders in the movie industry are going to come in the independent movie business. Uh, already you have people like Mark Cuban, who owns Landmark Theaters, which is one of the leading chains of, of independent movie theaters. Uh, he is um, very soon going to go to this, this new approach where the, the very day that the movie debuts in the cinemas, you'll also be able to buy it on DVD and to watch it over pay cable. Um, you have uh, people like the Weinstein Brothers, who are now freed up from their... Uh, uh, deal at Disney and have their own company, and uh, Mark Cuban's an investor in the Weinstein Company, and they're allied with uh, with IFC and uh, uh, Liberty and uh, 
they're all looking at, at this idea as well. So I think within the, that independent film world, you'll see the, the first movement towards sort of putting things out in every format at the same time and let people pay different prices for how they want to get their entertainment. Yeah, you mentioned uh, alternatives. Rainbow Media created a stir just, I guess, this past October by announcing the launch of uh, the nation's first day-to-date program in which movies are released in theaters and on video on demand uh, simultaneously. Rainbow's plan going forward, I understand, Alan, is to acquire independent films and continue to launch them simultaneously via theaters as well as uh, through their new VOD service. I'm curious, just overall, has this caused any uh, adverse reaction within the industry? Well, you know, I think that the major studios are looking at uh, uh, at this, and uh, I mean, I think people really see this as the wave of the future. Uh, the problem is, it's it's going to be very hard to migrate from the way that we've always been doing things to this, uh, you know, to this new world, um, because the whole structure of the industry is is built around the the old ways. You know, I understand that you you think that the uh, movie theaters need to go uh, fully digital with their projectors. I'm curious, uh, what, what would be the benefit to the consumer for this? And if you can do it in under 30 seconds, that would be a big benefit here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I mean, it's first of all, it's a big benefit for the studios because for every film, they spend millions of dollars just printing up the celluloid and putting it on trucks and planes to send it around the country and around the world, and that's an enormous cost in making movies. Back in just a minute here, Alan, stick around. We'll be having a back next hour on the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsythe. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is the advertising show. Mm. I love the sound of the rain. Mm. And I love the taste of your fresh fruit coffee. Oh, thanks, but it's not fresh fruit. It's new tray Like we said, nothing outlasts the energy. And you're going to need plenty of those if you already haven't run out, uh, <laughs> because they never. Never, never come with batteries, okay? And the Energizer is definitely a good one. A classic spot with Ray Shillings and uh, Brad Forsyth on this holiday edition of the Advertising Show. Good talking with Alan. The good news is we get him back uh, next hour as well. Earlier, Brad, uh, Brad, this hour you mentioned about Alka-Seltzer as being mm-hmm. either Alka-Seltzer or beer. I choose either the one. beer. That's right. fine. Right. Um, um, and uh, you've probably seen this spot. I've already seen it a couple of times. Alka-Seltzer, uh, following a course well-worn by, well-worn by movie studios to come out with a remake of one of their classic commercials. If you haven't seen it, you, you probably will. The New York Times uh, reporting that the uh, unit of Bayer recreated his 1972 spot for the Alka-Seltzer. Uh, folks known as, I can't believe I ate the whole thing. The commercial repeats the uh, uh, plaintive cry from a husband suffering from his gluttony until he gets advice from his minimally sympathetic wife. Take the Alka-Seltzer, Bob, or whatever. <laughs> uh, have you seen the spot? I have not. Okay. It's, it's out. I it's like been the out idea. A weeks, so. it, oh, it's a great I idea. Like it, yeah. uh, BBDO Worldwide um, turned to a familiar pair for the casting as well. You'll recognize those folks from Everybody Loves Raymond, Peter Boyle, and Doris Roberts, two incredible actors. They played the battling parents in the long-running uh, Everybody Loves Raymond. Uh, paper says the one difference in the original spot, the wife's response to the husband's discomfort, in the original said, you ate it, Ralph. Remember that? <laughs> 
In the remake, Roberts acknowledges the new spot is a remake by replying, Oh, where have I heard that before? I think they should have gone with the old... You know, that's okay, but... uh, The old music? Well, the old clothes. Yeah. Yeah. You ate it, Ralph. So anyway, that's uh, that's the Alka-Seltzer holiday spot. You know, it's interesting you bring that up. I was surfing the other day on on the... uh, with my uh, clicker, of course. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, I came across PBS uh, uh, Antique Roadshow, and they had one of these uh, people on there. I stop every once in a while hoping that I'm going to see, uh, you know, something happen where the person paid 85000 for something that's worth $0.80. Cents. Uh, I've always thought that could have been an interesting concept, they just a twist out, on actually. the – Yeah, go the other way with it. But uh, anyway, uh, they had a, a guy on there, and he had a, about a three-, four-foot replica of Speedy, the Alka-Seltzer. Oh, how you know, cool. Yeah. And he had purchased this for next to nothing, or he found it in the you know back room of a, off of a retail outlet that he, some weird, you know, they usually, it's just the opposite. Usually they pay 50 cents for it. In this case, he paid next to nothing for this. And the value, uh, $4,000, $4,000 to $5,000. Wow. Apparently people, this guy that... Uh, that evaluated this or appraised it said that he had never seen he'd seen the small little three five inch replicas but never something uh, three four feet which uh, mm-hmm. and it looked like it was near perfect condition but uh, you know I guess people collect that stuff people collect anything nowadays I thought that we saw in the brochure from either Chicago or was it Portland uh, the the advertising museums mm-hmm. there was a speedy alka seltzer there as well so they may have similar uh, you know similar uh, plastic uh, cutouts of those things. a large one yeah yeah you're right uh, we did see that and i can't remember whether it was the portland or the uh, the other uh, uh, museum in chicago uh, right up in is it chicago or minneapolis wherever that was i think it was anyway, in chicago yeah somewhere north of uh, of us mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> north of tulsa you know, hopefully we're going to be able to talk about Google with uh, with Alan because he's such a, a wealth of knowledge. But apparently in a major overseas expansion, Google is adding some 700 jobs in Ireland, uh, more than doubling employment at their Dublin office serving uh, Europe, Middle East, and Africa. Apparently the Dublin Center, Google's largest non-U.S. office, uh, includes customer service, ad, ad sales, very important, as well as finance and other operations. And apparently the workers... Uh, at this office, this is pretty smart, I think, come from 35 different nations and speak 17 different languages. And uh, I guess it's an important thing if you're going to serve uh, serve Europe and, and Asia and the like. The company, of course, based in Mountain View, California, now has about two dozen foreign offices worldwide. So really? Google is on the move and coming to a monitor near you. <laughs> that's, that's a good place to be. I bet you never thought we'd hear this. PepsiCo has surpassed Coca-Cola in market capitalization for the first time ever. Hmm. A dramatic turnaround from just five years ago when Coke was worth nearly three times as much as its rival. We're talking about uh, valuation. Right. Uh, PepsiCo spokesperson said the company has a healthy respect for Coca-Cola, which they should, and plans not to rest on its laurels. Coke spokesperson Ben Deutsch uh, said, our focus remains on delivering sustainable growth, maintaining the strong underlying financial health of our business, and delivering great marketing to support our brands. That's probably their uh, thing that they put on press releases as well, too. Sounds like it. So, isn't that amazing? Pepsi that is. surpassing Coca-Cola? Like, that is whoops. surprising. That could be and I want to know where they're resting on their laurels. Why not their hardies? <laughs> I don't know. Well, where, are they, where are the laurels, anyway? In Maryland. <laughs> We'll be back with, uh, well, this, this week it's bad advertising. 
simplifying the complex world of advertising. To reach Ray and Brad with your questions, log on to theadvertisingshow.com. This is The Advertising Show. Because I'm a woman. Arshani. I can bring home a bacon. Arshani. Fry it up in a pan. Arshani. And never let you forget your romance. There's a commercial that wouldn't fly today, and uh, but it flew back then in the 70s, Anjali. Mm-hmm. Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth on The Advertising Show. And uh, let's see. You, did you get uh, Did you get Laura the Anjali this year, or was it something no, new? No, I did get her a pound of bacon <laughs> and kind, a frying pan, the kind you could put in the microwave. <laughs> no, you're bacon right. In a blender, yeah, that's it. You know, you're right. That's so. Uh, it, it's such a reflection of what was acceptable many years ago. And I, I mean, really, even the frying up the bacon nowadays, it'd be like, oh, why, who's eating bacon? Yeah, no kidding. But you know, so and, but not to mention the slam to feminism there. But that's anyway, right. that's right. Yeah. That's your well, you know, you know, Ray. Each week, uh, we look at the uh, upside and downside, the good and the bad of uh, advertising, and uh, want to jump right into it this week. And I think uh, this week, uh, what is it, Ray? It might be this. Let's listen here. And now it's time for the bad advertising item of the week. Boing. So, what do you got for I, us, Ray? I wish we had that every time because I just love the triangle and the spring boing on the end of that. But uh, thank you very much. Um, you know, a while back we talked about a – this was a good advertising ad. This is good advertising gone bad because we talked about an ad that was in, I believe, Brad, the Wall Street Journal. Is that correct? Uh, a while back, uh, a few months ago. Is that right? Oops, I, I brought your fader down. I'm sorry. Talk yeah, that's you. okay. I would say correct. Yes. Uh, the answer was yes, indeed. Yes. Uh, no, and and it was, a, it was a fantastic ad. It was well done. Uh and I don't know whether you went to the website. What it did is it directed people to go to the website to try a new type of vodka. It's a very classy ad. Uh, the, the vodka is called Pravda. And it says, uh, basically, this is a the vodka that is limited quantities here in the United States. It's from Poland, of course. And it's available in the United States for the first time. So what they wanted you to do, and they drove it from the Wall Street Journal to the web, and you went and filled out a little... Um, uh, form and you requested a tasting kit. And this tasting kit was actually a really cool thing. What it included was a small bottle of the vodka and s- two small uh, martini type glasses. I mean, this is really cool. So I did that and, and went to the web and was thanked for my order or my response to the to the newspaper ad. And I waited and I waited and I waited. It said it was going to take like six weeks to get this thing. And it took more like, uh, oh gosh, I don't know, about 12 weeks or more uh, to actually get not the box of vodka, the tasting kit, but I got a letter from the folks in Philadelphia. Uh, and uh, these are the importers of the Pravda Vodka. It says... Thank you for your interest in Pravda, the world's finest vodka. Unfortunately, it has come to our attention, duh, that our offer is prohibited by law in your state. Please accept our apologies. So what they sent me, please find the enclosed, okay? It says a list of the stores stocking Pravda vodka. This is an afterthought. This is a a whole bunch of people. They have the telephone numbers of the stores all around the Houston area and Texas area. Mm-hmm. And and they told me I could go to get my little uh, tasting kit. I'd have to pay for it now. It's no right, longer right. free. A picture of Pravda Vodka. Uh, they sent me a picture of the box so I'd know what to look for when I got it. And a brochure, a very fancy brochure, telling me how it's made. Well, idiots, come on now. What you've done is you've just taken an incredible product 
Right. And you've trashed it completely down to like a $9 bottle of vodka. What were you thinking when you did that, this promotion? That you have to pay for it now. I'm not going to pay for it. As well, a if fact, you were, probably, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, <laughs> yeah. I would have thought that that would have been a really cool thing. What they could have maybe sent, if, uh, if uh, the laws would have allowed, is maybe a gift certificate or mm-hmm. something like that. I'm sure this little tasting box, which I really thank you for the picture. I've got it hanging over the couch. Um, <laughs> Uh, probably cost you maybe like about four or five bucks. Uh, and what you've done is you've taken an incredibly cool-looking product, which you say is amazing and of limited supply, and you've trashed it because I'll never try your vodka right. because of what you've done. How stupid is that? I hope the and person you, who put this promotion together has his or her resume ready because you're going to need it. Yeah, and, you know, it's not like uh, the uh, laws, the states of, of the 50 states that that uh, <laughs> They're not Wall Street Journal ad ran in are, are a secret. And yeah. if you're in the distribution uh, and import uh, business, you would be familiar with those uh, those laws and regulations and so forth. And, you know, Ray, I, I don't know. I thought you showed me that letter, and it's one thing to beg off and say, hey, we made a mistake. I thought it was rather cheesy to say, and here's a list of the places where you can go buy it. You, you kind of felt like that? a sucker after that, didn't you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, well, uh, no, I, I was more angry. I didn't feel like a sucker, uh, but I was... But I was just angry at how they could be so dumb as to market their product that way and then fall mm-hmm. completely flat on their face. And I can tell you, Pravda Vodka, that that's the last time I'll say your name. And I sure is not uh, am going to ask for it in a restaurant or look for it in a, in a liquor store because well, you it's guys a la- screwed up. It's the last time you'll say it on the air, but I, I promise you, if you're like most consumers, if you're ever out and you're having a cocktail and you see a bottle of Pravda, you'll turn to whoever you're nearby and you'll say, let me tell you a little story about that brand. And you'll Bad retell the story. Travels fast, Pravda. Yep. Yep. So maybe next time you really ought to think about that. Maybe the marketing people missed that meeting, Brad. I don't know. Maybe a case on the way to you would be a great start to, no, to formulate. <laughs> Too late. Relationship's over, baby. Well, that's I'm true. staying Russian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've got the advertising show, and we've got more with Alan Deutschman uh, coming up next hour. I uh, hope you can stay with us for that. The advertising show online. Well, how about that? RSS and the the, uh, the podcast, uh, the RSS feeds and the podcast as well. Uh, it's a really cool deal. It's available through our friends at uh, Shipple. That's S-C-H-I-P-U-L dot com. Check it out, okay? Advertising show brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. You can visit online at adage.com. Are you ready for hour number two? So are we. This is a Big Radio Midgets production. Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Hour number two of the Advertising Show, this special holiday edition. Our special guest uh, back with us this hour is Alan Deutschman out of San Francisco, senior writer for Fast Company Magazine. We'll have Alan for a couple of segments this hour. Also, in just a few moments, Joe Jaffe's A Different Perspective is going to be talking about video on demand. Some big stuff going there. Also have Andy Borowitz uh, with us this hour and uh, the Wacky World of Marketing as well. So lots of stuff there. Advertising show brought to you by Advertising Age Magazine. Visit online at adage.com. Advertising show, a big radio midgets production. So here we are. What you got? 
Well, you know, Ray, uh, this just out, I, I thought was rather interesting. Last month, uh, of course, we all heard, if you've been watching the news about the street riots in France, Fox News ran a banner during a news segment reading Muslim, Muslim uh, riots, uh, billionaire Saudi prince Al-Walid bin Talal, uh, who owns 5.5% of the Fox News uh, network, was very unhappy about this particular tagline, Muslim riots. Uh, and apparently, uh, now I'm quoting the, the Saudi prince at this point, uh, I picked up the phone and called Murdoch. Of course, he's not talking like me. He'd be doing it with an accent, but I'm going to spare you with that one. Please, thank uh, you. <laughs> I, I picked up the phone and called Murdoch. When you own 5.5% of the company, you can call him Murdoch. And told him, these are not Muslim riots. These are riots out out of poverty, and within 30 minutes, the title was changed from Muslim riots to civil riots. The lesson for all you freedom uh, of the press junkies out there, if you want to influence Fox News, you've got to own at least 5% of the company. <laughs> I guess you do. Yeah. Oh, so, man, are you kidding? Yeah. Hey, did you get a sweater this year for Christmas? Fortunately, no sweater, no tie. Good, good. Got uh, a pipe, though. You got a pipe? No, I'm joking. I hope not. (laughs) I never see you with a pipe in your mouth, that's for sure. At least Uh, not with tobacco. No. No, 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 not that. Uh, The Holiday Sweater says one size may not fit all. This is America's research company. Uh, Clothing retailers reporting a decline in sweater purchases this year, giving rise to the theory that the sweater is beginning to rival the fruitcake as an unwanted holiday gift. 36% of shoppers plan to make gifts of sweaters this year, down from 63% that reported giving sweaters in the past. The good news is sweaters don't ever wear out, okay? Yeah. I, I You know, I, I don't mind a sweater. I just like certain kinds of sweaters, that's all. Right. Uh, well, I saw a fruitcake in a sweater the other day, and... Uh, then I decided, well, that could be two gifts in one right there. <laughs> and you'd never get it out of the sweater. That's true. Mm, good. No, you know, it's funny. I, I thought you were going in another direction with that uh, that particular news item. I, I read something a few months ago, and I made sure my wife knew about it. And that was uh, these women's fashion uh, designers. Uh, not, I don't know that it's fashion designers, but women clothing let me just say this, clothing designers for women, I should say, they have uh, designed into the actual garment uh, sizes that end up changing, uh, how should I say this, an 8 is not an 8, a 6 is not a 6, and they've realized that if they err to the small size oh, for okay. consumers yeah. that certain women will them. exactly them. so as so this person that was writing this article says i wear anywhere between a six and a ten you know depending <laughs> on where uh, she's buying this Five but it, they've done a study where you know when they air to the small size mm-hmm. uh, people will buy more frequently from that particular uh, uh, outlet if you will especially if it's a house brand so sure. you know i like this company over here why oh it makes me feel smaller i'm only a four no, there. that's Really, that's really smart. My goodness, that's it's smart, but it's misleading. You know, you go to a regular place and holy moly, I'm a four over here, but look, I'm a ten over here. I mean, where do you go? I mean, after you a go while, to the you place get... where you get a four instead of a ten, that works. That's out well. true. Let's uh, we got to uh, get uh, Joe Jaffe on here before we uh, run out of program time. So let's do it right now on the advertising show. If you dare to risk seeing the world from a new point of view, join us now for a different perspective featuring author and new marketing consultant, Joseph Jaffe. The announcement of the iPod video was momentous indeed. And ABC really made news when they announced that you would be able to pay $2 to download an episode of Lost or Desperate Housewives literally 24 hours after that episode aired 
And now CBS and NBC are jumping on the bandwagon, both using the VOD platform. One decided to go ad-free and the other one went with ads. It's all very interesting if you think about how this is going to settle on the content versus commercial landscape. If content is king, then content is the big winner, as are consumers. Everybody has the ability now to watch what they want, when they want, how they want, where they want. And the price of 99 cents to eradicate advertising seems reasonable indeed. But there is a tremendous amount of consistency involved. When one network decides to go ad-free and the other one doesn't, it starts to raise a lot of questions about consistency. The other implication deals with exclusivity. And the tyranny of exclusivity is one that has to be avoided like the plague. It doesn't make sense for one network to work with Comcast, for example, when they should really be thinking national, they should be thinking global. So this is another limitation. I can't help but wonder whether some of these moves are being made prematurely. I certainly commend the innovation and I commend the embracing of change, but that still doesn't give permission or consent to do something suboptimally. This has been A Different Perspective, featuring Joseph Jaffe, president of new marketing consulting practice Jaffe LLC and author of Life After the 32nd Spot. To learn more, log on to getthejuice.com. It's the Advertising Show. Ray Shillings and uh, Brad Forsyth back with you. And uh, it's uh, good to be with you this holiday weekend. Hopefully uh, your holidays are absolutely uh, phenomenal as well. Uh, let's see. Where are we at here? About to, uh, well, we're about to actually bring back an Alan Deutschman, our special guest out of San Francisco. Alan is a senior writer for Fast Company magazine. They sometimes call him Senior Writer. <laughs> Fastcompany.com is the award. And you know, being a writer for Fast Company, that sure is an example of what he's been today for us, all right? Fast Company? Exactly, yeah. The man knows what he's uh, talking about. There's a lot of great stuff that uh, uh, we've learned so far, and uh, we'll once again uh, learn this hour as well on the advertising show. Ray, you subscribe to DirecTV, right? Absolutely. Well, you might be getting part of the $5 million settlement. Yeah, uh, did you see that? Can you believe that? Yeah, I did. Man. We'll talk more about that uh, towards the end of next hour, or this hour, I should Yeah, say. that's right. I'll split mine uh, with you if you want. That's fine. <laughs> I really love DirecTV. DirecTV now has XM satellite radio as part of that, and they didn't raise my bill yet. Uh, I'm expecting that any day now. Uh, maybe not. Who knows? Back with more with uh, Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on the Advertising Show. Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. What do you want when you gotta eat something? And it's gotta be sweet, and it's gotta be a lot, and you gotta have it now. What do you want? Lip smack and whip, back and patty whack and ink and neck and on the advertising show, Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Bet Brad got some of that in his stocking this year. It's better than mm. the coal he got last year, but that's okay. Cracker uh, Jack. <laughs> but if you were with us last uh, last hour, you heard us talking to Alan Deutschman out of San Francisco. 
Alan is a, a senior writer for Fast Company magazine. He probably read his articles, too. Uh, New York Times, Wired, Salon.com, Premier, Ready-Made. Also, you may have even read his book, uh, The Second Coming of Steve Jobs, as a Business Week and a Wall Street Journal bestseller and has been translated into seven languages, uh, one of which we only read English. That's a good thing, though. So welcome back to the show, Alan. Great to have you here. Great to be here. And while we're plugging books, Alan, tell, tell our audience about your uh, other book that you and I talked about during our pre-interview. And if you're a wine uh, appreciator, as Ray and I are, you would want to pick up a copy entitled... A Tale of Two Valleys, and it's about Napa and Sonoma and sort of the real inside story about those two famous places in California. And, and stay tuned because we're going to get a copy and report uh, if we can uh, drink while we read. Ray, we're going to we're going to see if we can recall any of this after we finish the book. But it should be an interesting read, and looking forward to uh, to receiving a copy of that. Well, and welcome uh, back to the wine show. Yeah, and by the way, Ray, if you're wanting to get me, you know, this being Christmas Day, a lot of people don't know this. We Ray, every year, Ray and I, we've get, been doing this show for over four years. Uh, I give Ray a, a gift, and his reaction, and I'll share this with our audience, is always the same, which is, damn it, now I've got to buy you something. So anyway, Ray, uh, if you're looking for me, just remember my flavor of wine is always the same every year. It's Purple. expensive. so No, just expensive. It's all that matters. Um, we were talking a little bit at the end of last hour during our interview, Alan, about uh, uh, why you thought that it was uh, time for movie theaters to uh, go digital with their projectors and, and their film format. And uh, you, I asked the question about uh, what benefit to the consumer this would be, and you certainly addressed the benefits from the uh, movie theater and distribution standpoint, the ease in which uh, uh, film could be distributed through uh, uh, digital channels. Uh, I'm curious, uh, replacing celluloid, uh, do, do we visually see something different on the big screen? Should that uh, transition to digital take place? Well, it'll actually be better on the big screen because today you actually have a, a person there in the projection room who's working the projector. Mm-hmm. And uh, because multiplexes are kind of cheap, they'll often have one person who's sort of jumping around from one uh, you know, cinema to the next uh, trying to work the projectors and change the reels. And, uh, you know, often you actually have pretty lousy, uh, somewhat out-of-focus picture quality in multiplexes uh, because there is this uh, kind of analog human element, element that the, uh, the cinema owners really aren't paying much money or attention to. <laughs> I like the way you describe the analog human. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, true. I think they, they figure that, uh, you know, it's teenage boys watching these movies, and as long as there are big explosions, you know, who knows if it's even in focus. So I think the digital um, distribution is going to make movies clearer and crisper crisper in the cinemas, and because it's going to be less expensive for the studios to make movies, they'll be able to uh, try to do movies that only need a smaller audience, and they can do things that are more interesting, that are more risk-taking, and they don't have to appeal to a watered-down lowest common denominator. You know, uh, Ray and I were talking about uh, when we were teenagers uh, going to the movies, and our whole objective had very little to do with actually seeing the movie. (laughs) It had to do more with who we were attending the movie with, which was really the big objective there was just keeping your arm from 
uh, going asleep. Going asleep. Uh, you thought I was going another direction with that, didn't you, Ray? Yeah, right. the, uh, let's go from the big screen to the small screen. What are your thoughts on uh, ABC and the iPod deal recently announced where iPod users will be able to download five shows, including ABC hits uh, Desperate Housewives and Lost? Is this, uh, is this a good idea? I, I think it's an incredibly good idea, and I think that people... You know, of my generation and older, I'm I'm 40 years old. You know, it's hard for us to to think of watching TV on a tiny screen in our little handheld device because that's not what we grew up with. But if you know, if you have children, they're used to doing it. They have handheld video game players. They're much more receptive uh, to this new media, and uh, I think it's smart for Disney ABC to to kind of reconceive what they're doing as not just being you know, 30-minute shows with 30-second spots, but as producing content that they can profit from in a whole variety of new media. And, you know, with uh, Apple's iTunes Music Store uh, service uh, also announcing that uh, with uh, in conjunction with NBC Universal, making available a, a raft of television series from its flagship broadcast network as well as from a cable network's uh, USA and, and Sci-Fi channel, I'm uh, curious, uh, you know, Alan, is it possible that Al- Apple uh, is becoming a monopoly for program distribution? Well, you know, Apple has has been out there in front, but uh, you know, before long, the other main players in the internet will become very important ways uh, for people to get programs. I mean, Yahoo and Google, for example, are some of the main places you go to find uh, content on the internet now. That's going to become true of video content and. You know, Yahoo is already uh, producing its own original uh, content, uh, which I think is going to be important in this new media. You know, I mean, it's great to take things you already have there sitting on the shelf in the library and try to squeeze some more money out of it. But every new media creates new programming, and uh, you know, there's going to be a lot more freedom and flexibility. And shows aren't going to have to be 30 minutes long or an hour long. They can be, you know, 37 and a half minutes long or 10 hours long or you know, nice of 20 seconds long. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's interesting because TiVo uh, just unveiled, as you well know, Alan, plans to recently, uh, uh, I'm sorry, plans to allow its subscribers to download recorded shows to their Apple iPod or Sony PlayStation portable devices. Uh, is TiVo reacting to the uh, economic potential of Apple here and just trying to get in on that action? Yeah, well, I mean, TiVo, um, I mean, I think, what TiVo shows that you have an inevitable chain reaction, and uh, you know it takes someone to be out in front, which Apple has done. But uh, you know, I mean, TiVo-like devices, uh, everyone is going to have before long uh, to to have these personalized uh, digital video recorders, and uh, you know, I mean, it's going to be given to you by by all the cable operators and the satellite operators, and however you get. Uh, your bits and bytes, you're going to, to have this uh, this power. I mean, TiVo is is there now, but uh, you know, it's the industry can be like, oh, TiVo is our scourge, but everyone is going to have those capabilities before too long. You know, with all these uh, network VOD deals and and download capability to uh, your personal uh, portable device, I'm curious. Do you have a feel for the reaction 
uh, from the local network affiliate. I've got to believe that they're, that they're wringing their hands a bit, wondering about uh, uh, losing uh, program, uh, what should I say, the uh, cachet of what network programming used to provide a local affiliate if it's going to be available through other channels. And I guess we're going to have to hold off and wait till the next segment for that, huh, Ray? You know, and I hope Alan remembers all of that question. Well, I'll restate it. Okay, thank you very much. Or Alan, maybe he wrote it down. I don't know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> we've got uh, we got more with uh, Alan Deutschman, our special guest here on this holiday weekend on the Advertising Show out of San Francisco, a senior writer for Fast Company magazine. Want to know how to destroy a car? Well, we'll tell you how to do that here in just a, a moment. The uh, Wacky World of Marketing with our executive producer, Bruce Abbott, is coming up next. also want to invite you to go to our website, theadvertisingshow.com. It's a great place to uh, not only um, uh, take a look at what's going on in the industry, but we've also got the RSS feeds and podcasts as well. And lots of folks go there. You should, too, if you haven't already. Matter of fact, this interview will be on there uh, in uh, just a little while, uh, as a matter of fact. So it's theadvertisingshow.com. Back in just a minute with more with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. And now, it's time for the Wacky World of Marketing. Wacky World of Marketing. Here's your host, Bruce Abbott. Our wacky update comes from AdRants. Just when you thought the million-dollar homepage trend had run its course and couldn't be taken any further, University of Maryland graduate Jason Gunther has elevated the game with SmashMyViper.com. In short, the more an advertiser spends on the web page for pixel space, the greater physical damage they can inflict upon Gunther's Dodge Viper. Yes, he's letting people pay to destroy his car while offering them ad space in return. Gunther hopes the ongoing saga of the slowly destroyed Viper, which will be covered in detail on his website and the site's blog, will keep people coming back for more and keep the impression level high for advertisers. Purchasing one 10 by 10 pixel gets the advertiser a 6-inch key mark on the Viper. A purchase of 25 10 by 10 pixels gets a Louisville Slugger bat smash and placement of the advertiser's 4-inch logo. Oh, and in true media negotiation for those who purchase 50 10 by 10 pixels, Gunther will allow the advertiser to come up with their own idea. And that, my friends, is the wacky world of marketing. This program was written and produced by Bruce Abbott, executive producer of The Advertising Show. Join us next time when we uncover the strange, the bizarre, and unfortunately, the true wacky world of marketing. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. It's the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. And look, Mom, we have a guest here out of San Francisco. Alan Deutschman is our special guest for this one final segment of the Advertising Show. Alan is a senior writer for Fast Company Magazine. You can find out more about that by going to fastcompany.com. Alan, welcome back to the show. Hello again. Yeah, and Bray, I can't believe you didn't queue up uh, Rice Aroni classic commercial that we air, you know, once every month or two for in out of uh, respect to Alan and his home base of San Francisco. He probably doesn't want to hear it, Brad. Well, that's true. He, he probably uh, hates Rice. You know, his parents made at least Aroni in Queens, and uh, you know he doesn't like it anymore. That's true. 
Well, uh, and I bet he's uh, wishing he could get a nice uh, deli sandwich out there in San Francisco, uh, like a pastrami, a hot pastrami or something like that. You know, the, the deli. <laughs> they, they say the deli food out on the West Coast just, you know, really sucks. Now, is there any truth to that, Alan? It's, it's not the same as New York. Right. Try to get a thin slice, uh, like a, a raised pizza, right? Uh, it's not available. Yeah. So uh, that's the food uh, conversation. Moving wine, back to food, anything else? <laughs> well, Alan, wine. How's and your personal life? Any problems you want to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> we'll be posting uh, Alan's cell phone number on the uh, website here soon. Uh, with all that, we, we I did queue up towards the end of the last segment. Let me requeue that up again. We, uh, blah, 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 yeah, there we go. So uh, with all the uh, network VOD deals, uh, Alan, that we were talking about with. Uh, ABC striking a deal with uh, iPod to download uh, Desperate Housewives and, and Lost, and, and then of course uh, NBC Universal doing a, a similar arrangement as well. I'm curious if I'm a local affiliate, uh, I might be a little nervous about all these VOD deals. Do you get a sense of the reaction on a local level yet? Well, I mean, the whole idea of network TV is just is just coming apart, and I mean, advertisers have been disgruntled with broadcast TV for, you know, so many years, but um, they haven't really had an effective alternative. So they've had to keep buying more and more uh, TV to get less and less. Uh, you know, they need to reach their audience, and uh, the networks have just been, uh, you know, the, the mass audience has been elusive, but they haven't had other alternatives. Now, finally, they're getting uh, better alternatives in the digital world, and, uh you know, the whole broadcast uh, network TV idea of uh, sort of, you know, cross-plugging and promoting other shows and having that effect, um, it, it kind of all comes apart in this new model. You know, uh, Google seems to uh, be in the news today and since their, since their IPO not so long ago. Uh, we, we had... Uh, uh, current TV's Corey Silverman on the show uh, this past fall, and he talked a little bit about, uh, well, he didn't talk a little bit, he talked a lot about uh, uh, current TV and their various programming, in particular a segment called Google Current that uh, twice hour, uh, airs twice hourly and uh, is really pretty much, I guess, a current events segment based on Google search data. Uh, do you see this as a smart partnership for Google? What, what's your thoughts on this? Current TV seems to be... Uh, uh, an upstart that's coming out of left field, and I guess the jury's still out on whether they have a future or not. Did, who's who's the winner in that relationship? Well, you know, Google has said that they're a media company, and they are, and so is Yahoo. And uh, you know, I mean, Yahoo and Google are already where people go to get their uh, their news throughout the day. And I think more and more that news is going to include uh, include video. Um, and I think Yahoo and Google are going to be where people go to find entertainment. I mean, you're going to have so many video entertainment options that you're really going to need uh, portals to help you search and find exactly, uh, you know, what you want. And Google and Yahoo and, to some extent, MSN and, and AOL are already well-positioned there. So, you know, regardless of who the specific partners are going to be, uh, I think the fact that the Googles of the world have this enormous lock on internet users because that's they're the biggest brand names and that's where you have your email account and uh, other things that you go to like personalized home pages or or groups and such you know that really gives them the lock on the digital consumer um, and this gives them the inside track on uh, on digital video. 
You know, you mentioned that uh, Google uh, now claiming to be and, and has every right in the world, I guess, to claim to be a media company. They screened a series uh, premiere of the uh, UPN comedy uh, Everybody Hates uh, Chris, which I've not had a chance to see that. Uh, have you seen that, Ray? Yet? No, I haven't. Just, no, I haven't either. No. It's come in with... Uh, uh, shaky reviews. It, it started out uh, well, but uh, faded. I don't. I haven't heard anything lately. But they, they did have a, uh, a screening uh, for the series uh, premiere of uh, Everybody Hates uh, Chris on on Google Video. If uh, you're not familiar with Google Video, it's basically uh, uh, a channel or a uh, subset, if you will, of Google that allows uh, uh, traffic there to play an entire, in this case, an entire pilot episode via streaming uh, video. First off, Alan, uh, what do you think of this idea? Well, I think this, this creates enormous opportunities, not just for the, the TV and movie studios of the world, but for the rest of us. I mean, you know, we can all buy camcorders and make our own uh, digital video, and I think this medium is going to give us a chance to find an audience and to actually make money. And I mean, look at the tr- I mean the tremendous enthusiasm people have shown for blogging. Uh, you know, already video is becoming a part of blogging. And I mean, one of the big insights of this digital revolution is it isn't just about new ways for us to be consumers. It's, it's that we love to participate as as creators and producers. Um, you know, I think the next generation of you know Steven Spielberg's and George Lucas's, um, I mean, are going to be putting their short films on on the internet and developing an audience. Uh, digital animators are already doing that, and that's a major way that new talent is discovered for the big uh, studio animated film. We are uh, out of time now, and unfortunately it goes so quickly. Thank you uh, so much for taking time out of your holiday weekend to be with us here on the Advertising Show. Remember, go to uh, fastcompany.com to find out more about Alan. We'll be back in just a minute with more with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on the Advertising Show. You're listening to the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Uh-oh, here comes trouble. I hate her. Yeah, but do you think she's happy with those looks? Eh, probably not. <gasps> it's worse than I thought. Hey, what's that she's drinking? It looks like Diet Sprite. Do you think she knows it's the only lemon lime soft drink that's sugar-free and has the great taste of... Boy, lemon? talk about the uh, the competitiveness uh, between women, <laughs> right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Down to the soft drink. How about that? It's <laughs> Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on the Advertising Show. A couple of more segments here before we let you go uh, for this holiday weekend. And it sure has been fun spending time with... Uh, with uh, Alan Deutschman as well, uh, senior writer at Fast Company magazine. So you know, you before go. the... I'm sorry, Ray. Go ahead. I was just going to say, before the interview, we were talking about uh, DirecTV, and, and I know you're a subscriber and a big fan of DirecTV. DirecTV, by the way, as we mentioned, uh, uh, a Fox News item the other, uh, earlier last segment, uh, not last segment, earlier in the hour, DirecTV is owned by Fox, I believe. Oh, they uh, are? I believe so. I Fox, uh, yeah, uh, and at least Murdoch owns it. I don't know that Fox is the company, but in any event, uh, Directv. Hopefully, you'll get some of this, Ray. Directv has agreed to pay five million dollars to twenty-two states uh, to settle an investigation of its marketing and advertising practices. The money will be used to pay refunds 
Keyword for you, Ray. Check that mailbox. Refunds okay. to thousands of customers who complained about various pr- uh, problems with their service, uh, in particular that they could not view certain programs. Others complained that programming on DirecTV's sports package was blacked out at times. So uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, this was all uh, instigated originally by New York Attorney uh, General Elliot uh, Spitzer, uh, according to a recent announcement. So it'll be interesting if you are one of the, uh, I guess you had to have uh, DirecTV several years ago to be able to get in on some of this action. Sure. You're a more recent subscriber, aren't you, Ray? Yeah, a couple of years, right. Oh, well, you might qualify. Okay, good. Yeah. I yeah. can only see my bill going up, Brad. Well, <laughs> they're going to pay for this somehow. A lot of people say that, uh, you know, when uh, Stern goes to satellite, which has been talked a lot about, uh, that there has been this, uh, I don't know what the word is, that the people are getting worn out on paying subscription fees, whether it's a cell phone, the, the Internet, bundled hmm. services, you know, the pay for this, pay for that. Right. Uh, and that uh, people are willing to, uh, you know, pay for certain uh uh, special things such as uh, using an iPod, as we've been discussing with uh, with Alan, and be able to go out and don't download some music of your particular choosing. Uh, we'll see if the same thing happens in the in the video uh, arena with the iPod video version, being able to download uh, network programs and 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 others. But you know, when it comes to uh, the jury's still out on whether. Uh, uh, satellite, and in particular, I guess, uh, Howard Stern will drive the kind of uh, subscriptions that are expected that he will drive uh, through uh, through uh, Sirius Satellite Radio. And, you know, we said two, three years ago here on the show, I think it was closer to three years ago, that there will be a time when there will only be one satellite radio company, and right now mm-hmm. there's still two, and uh, we'll see if the, if their uh, projection comes true, and we'll see if they can justify paying uh, Howard Stern $500 million. Of course, he doesn't get that money himself, Ray. You and I know this. That's his production budget, and so he pays his other people in addition to himself, but it's still it's quite a it's significant a nice amount of, of money. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people are not going with, uh, with Sirius just because of that. They don't care That's what true. else is on there. It's like, if he's going there... You don't have me. And well, the, the interesting thing, as we well know, uh, working uh, in the industry, there are a lot of advertisers that will not run their ads on uh, controversial talk shows, uh, even though they're buying, uh, making a, a national-type buy. Don't run our ads here or don't run our ads there. So it'll be know, interesting to see what happens there. You're right, and, and I'm looking for the item, and I guess I didn't bring it today, so I'll just go from memory. But... but uh, uh, Sirius Satellite Radio made an announcement recently that they're including some uh, Christian programming. I wonder why they came up with that, huh? <laughs> I'm like, serious. They, they've, introduced, they've introduced a channel and just announced it recently that is going to be dedicated to uh, Christian programming. So, you know, it, it, it speaks to the very subject that you're uh, uh, mentioning, Ray, and that their, you know, S- uh, Stern is so closely identified and related with uh, with Sirius Satellite Radio that yeah. it wasn't accidental that they waited until late this year to announce the uh, allocation of a particular channel for Christian broadcasting. Well, I can't. Ma- I, I really can't imagine that would help them at all. No. Because there are too many other options out there. You've got, well, you've got Salem. Uh, you've got, uh, well, XM has, has uh, many different Christian and gospel programs and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. So, yeah. 
I, people, I don't know. That'll be interesting, as I said, to see what happens with that whole thing. Yeah. But it certainly has created a buzz for Sirius, hasn't it? Well, it has, and we'll see if, uh, you know, if you do the math, and I know you can do it, uh, how many how many consumers would have to subscribe as a result of Howard Stern going over there to justify the $500 million? It's It's a mathematical mm-hmm. uh, number that you can come up with, and I guess time will tell. I'm sure they won't quit reporting on it once he goes over there. So Absolutely. We'll yeah, we've got we've got more time here on this holiday edition of the advertising show. Merry Christmas to you and happy holidays. We'll be back with more with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is the advertising show. Dippity do. For setting your hair. Dippity do. Rollers. Dippity do. Easy, neat. Dippity do. I was going to say your hair looks so nice today, and it probably is the dippity do. Uh, well, thank you. Uh, you got a new tube in uh, your stocking. It wasn't and, a uh, tube. It's a little jar. Yeah. The tube is the brill cream. <laughs> Zippity doing brill cream. Oy, oy, oy. Don't to be confused with butch wax, you could pro- <laughs> which I used to use. Yeah. It'll come back too. Okay, oh, actually, sure. it, it, you know, butch wax has come back. Butch wax has come back. It is that stuff that they put in your hair. That uh, oh, I don't know. It's not the gel. It's the other stuff. Pomade, spike, or pomade the spike or kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. So that's butch wax. They repackaged it. We had a good <laughs> conversation with Alan Deutschman today, senior writer for Fast Company magazine. John Detali uh, is author of The Search: How Google and Its Rivals Rewrote the Rules of Business and Transformed Our Culture. One thing that John needs to work on is a shorter title. <laughs> but man, we'll help him out with that. That's not a big deal. So that's that's next week, and that that'll actually be uh, the brand new year, first day of uh, 2006. Man, this yeah. year has gone fast. It's been a great Hasn't year it? as well. So happy about that. Every year it does. Yes, absolutely. Let's uh, let's uh, check in with Andy Borowitz here on the advertising show. Hi, this is Andy Borowitz for the advertising show. And now, here's this week's feature from the Borowitz Report. Having already supported a constitutional amendment banning flag burning, Senator Hillary Clinton raised the ante this past week, proposing a new amendment that would give flags the right to vote. At a press conference in Washington, Senator Clinton proposed universal suffrage for the red, white, and blue in what some observers called a canny maneuver to position herself as a centrist. It's been said that these colors don't run. Senator Clinton told reporters in recognition of that these colors should vote. By proposing that flags be given the right to vote, Senator Clinton may be securing her political future since American flags are estimated to number in the billions and the lion's share of them would presumably vote for her out of gratitude. Not to be outdone, President Bush held a press conference to announce that he favored a constitutional amendment giving flags the right to bear arms. If somebody tries to burn a flag, the flag should have the right to defend itself. And that means shoot to kill, Mr. Bush said. Senator Clinton also addressed the flag-burning issue later in the day, proposing universal health care for all flags who are burned victims. She added that more government money was needed to give flags the housing, education, and job training they need in today's competitive world economy. It takes a village to raise a flag, she said. This is Andy Borowitz, and this has been a special edition of the Borowitz Report from The Advertising Show. 
To read more reports or to receive daily email alerts, log on to BorowitzReport.com. This is Andy Borowitz saying, keep it fake, baby. Boy, that political stuff just uh, really confuses me. But I, I think I understand what they're trying to do there. So it's, it's a good thing, right? Yep. Yep. It's all about the flag. I have some good news for you, Brad. Yes. Beer is good for you. Okay. Oh. At least that's what Anheuser-Busch says. Well, wouldn't you expect him to say that? They've enlisted a Harvard University epidemiologist to educate the public on the health benefits of moderate beer consumption and perhaps stem the loss of market share to the wine industry. <laughs> There's a prevailing uh, fallacy that wine is healthy and beer is not. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you know what I'm going to have to do? <laughs> Test it. No, look up the word moderate. Oh, my. I don't know what that means. Speaking of college students, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> have you heard? We talked about Coca-Cola uh, well, last hour, I guess it was. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, they have a newly announced uh, drink. It's a crossover drink, and it's called Black B L A K or Black, I guess. It's a mid-calorie blend of cola and coffee. It has mm. consumers in France scratching their heads, as we do too here. It's a bit strange. I might try it because I like trying new things, but I'm not convinced. One woman said Coke will launch the new crossover product in France first, uh, and then in Columbus or something like that, where the market right. is prime for stylish products. Trying to do a Red Bull. Black. B-L-A-K. Yeah. Or, mm-hmm. That's probably not how it's pronounced, but that's the way it goes. Hey, you know, we receive a lot of uh, a lot of press releases through the advertising show. You've heard of podcast. We do it here on the advertising show. Well, Playboy.com introduces its own sexy spin on a popular podcasting craze, and they're calling it a bodcast. Podcast. Well, that would make bod-cast. sense. Bodcast. Yeah, the yeah. Playboy Bodcast will uh, include such uh, programs such as Joke of the Day, which they claim will. Uh, only deliver a better joke because it's delivered by a Playboy model. This is a video uh, version, by the way, not audio as we do here on the show. Ask Hef anything. Now, of course, if you want wit and wisdom, who do you ask? Well, Hef. Oh, sure, yeah. And, and, and then finally, from the mouths of babes. That's and what of you course, and I grew up with. <laughs> hey, Hef, what yeah. do you think, pal? Exactly. He was wearing. He was an old guy when you and I were young, uh, in a little smoking jacket and an ascot. I know. And then it's the third feature is uh, from the mouths of babes, and we know that that aren't th- those aren't children uh, crawling on the floor. That would be uh, no, no, Playboy's no. Uh, yeah. cyber girls, I suppose. But mm-hmm. uh, anyway, Playboy.com. Everybody's getting into the act. Yes, they are. Including Everybody's getting into. What? I- including a company called HappyNews.com, which maybe we can talk about next week here on the Is that like show. NakedNews.com? No, no. This is HappyNews.com. Hmm. It's very interesting. Hey, let's uh, let's hope that you and your family can uh, get together, turn off the uh, radio or television, of course, after the show's over, and uh, put the toys away and, and uh, tell the kids and the family and friends what we're really celebrating uh, today, this Christmas Day. Hope you have a wonderful, <clears throat> excuse me, holiday. I have a frog in my throat now. Here we go. Advertising show. Go to our website, theadvertisingshow.com, for RSS feeds and podcasts. And, of course, uh, join us again next week when it will be 2006. The Advertising Show. Uh, we'll have uh, John Vitale on uh, the author next week. They're brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. You can visit online at adage.com. So, Merry Christmas, Brad, and uh, to all of our listeners, too. This is a Big Radio Midgets production. <laughs>